Take your Bibles, if you will, please, and find for me to begin with uh, the book of Ephesians. We'll be in Ephesians chapter 4. Um, thank you for the time away that Larry and I had to go out to Washington State to see our uh, middle son, Michael, and all of his family out there. Uh, it was grand uh, to be with them. It was cloudy and rainy and cold and cold and rowdy and, and whew. <laughs> so I come back home anyway. But it's so good to be here with you, and it's so good to be together you know, in one place. It's, we, we have to really work hard at being one church because we have the two different services and we have uh, two different preferences of worship and all like that. We have to really work towards being together as one church because we are one family. We are one church, and it's so important to get together like this from time to time, and especially right now as we are, are pivoting into a new direction within our church family that involves all of us, and we're just so glad that you're here uh, this morning. We have come, we have not only last week closed out a year, we've closed out a decade. And as we look back not only at the year, but as we look back over the decade, wow, where all God has brought us. Think about you and your own family and what all has happened in the course of just this last decade. It's been phenomenal, hasn't it? And God is continuing to do great and wonderful things. We have survived the rebuilding after the Great Recession. We have been through some monstrous storms together. Uh, and God has helped to reprioritize us towards focusing on winning people to faith in Jesus Christ and being about disciple building. And God has done this to prepare us for what's next. And that's what we're looking at today. Today I want you to think generationally. Not so much in terms of, you know, who's here that's, that's 50 and above and who's here that's, you know, uh, 20 and above. Not, not so much like that. But in terms of the generation in which we're in and the generation we've come from, the generation we're moving into. I want you to think generationally today. We've got to be able to think beyond the immediate and start looking into what is ahead. We have to, to concentrate not on what is temporal, but what is eternal. We have to get our gaze off of what will rust and rot, and what will be forever, and what is done for the kingdom which will last. And that's what we focus on as we set our priorities. We have to look to the past. Because from that we get inspiration and we're grounded and we know who God is and what he's done. But then we take that as we look into the future of what all he has us to be doing in the future. We stand on the brink of this new year, this new decade, with a renewed vision that is etching its way into our very fabric of being about reaching people who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ with the gospel. It's becoming more and more a part of who we are. It's becoming more and more of how we act every day during the week when we're back at school. I'm sorry, I said a bad word. Or, you know, back at work, whatever. It becomes fabric of who we are. The one thing that we have to focus on is with so much new stuff going on in the new year and with so many things God is calling us to prioritize, we've got to stay together. We've got to remain united. And it's something only Holy Spirit can do. So I want you to read with me from Ephesians chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. As Paul speaks to this, he says, I therefore, brethren, a prisoner of the Lord, I beseech you. That means I beg you, I implore you. 
Uh, he's, he's putting all he has into this, okay? I beg you to walk worthy of the calling with which you're called. What has God called us to do? He's called us to go make disciples. That's the calling in our lives. Not to go be comfortable, not to go gather together and have a good time, but to go make disciples. Bring people to faith in Christ and grow them up in our tremendous faith. That's the calling. And look how we're supposed to do this. Look carefully. With all lowliness, that's humility. Being, being humble, not prideful, but, but humble. And gentleness, gentleness. With long-suffering, that's patience. Bearing with one another in love. Bearing with one another in love. And look, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Look, keeping the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, that's a work of grace on behalf of Holy Spirit. But it's a labor of love on behalf of us people, us human beings. That's integral to us to understand. He says here, endeavor. Okay, endeavor, that means to, to really strive at it, to work at it, to put all you got behind it, because it takes a lot. It takes a lot to focus on being together. There are so many things in the world that would divide us. We're called to stand and endeavor to struggle, to strive to be together, to strive for it. The unity of the Spirit is Holy Spirit's unity, not mine, not yours, but His. And what that means is whatever we have going on, we have every right to disagree, but we have no right to be disagreeable. Do you hear the difference in that? Always, anytime we do anything new or, or that four-letter word change, anyway, whatever, still a four-letter word, we have to, some of you just now catching that, I'm worried about you especially. It, it, it troubles us when, when we have to face anything about change. So we, we've got together so many times and we've talked about this in big groups and small groups and such as that, and and. But I bless God, very few times have we been disagreeable. Even when we've had to disagree. He says, keep this unity. Guard it. Protect it. Maintain it. It's worthy of our effort to protect. Not through demand, but through seeking the Lord together and seeking His peace and unity together. Not by demanding our own way, but by finding His way in the midst. So as we look forward today, we've got to first look backward. Remember, we're thinking generationally. I want you to turn in the Old Testament, find the book of Judges. Judges chapter 18. We're going to get there in a few moments. Judges chapter 18. And as I've been thinking about this, and flying out to the Seattle area and what quiet times that I've had, I've been thinking about generations. And I've been thinking especially about the generations that followed Moses. What a blessed generation they were. Can you think about those who followed Moses and the things they saw as, as they were miraculously left Egypt? And, and how were they led? They were led by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. The presence of Almighty God. And they got to see that, to witness that, to follow that. And then as they got to the Red Sea, they saw Pharaoh's army coming from behind. And that pillar came and it stood between Pharaoh's army and the 
children of Israel? And do you remember what God did? He parted the Red Sea. And Moses and the children of Israel went through like they are walking on dry land. And Pharaoh and his army, when they tried to come after that, the waters came in and drowned them all. God miraculously led them. At this generation got to see all that. They got to see God's provision in the wilderness. They got to see the God providing food in the manna and even quail and, and providing water in that, that arid land, even from a rock. They got to see this. They got to witness and be a part of this. This is the generation that saw all these things happen. And then they get to the, they get to the, the promised land. And representatives of each of the 12 tribes spied out the land. And they all came back and they had one unanimous report. Oh, this land is tremendous. It's flowing with milk and honey. It's got all of the good things we could ever, ever want. God is so good to have chosen this land. But then 10 of them said, but there are giants in the land. And we're like grasshoppers in their sight. And so there's no way that we can take this land. Now, two of them, two of those spies said, now, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. God is with us. Look what all he's done in the past in the wilderness wanderings. He who's been with us, he's going to go with us through even this huge undertaking. But here... Majority one, okay? Got to be real careful with majority here. Majority one. And you and I look back from our vantage point where we are now. And we look at this generation after all that they had seen of God's incredible glory and power. How could they disobey? But they did. Now, we have a certain judgmental attitude about that. I really wonder what it would have been like if we had been in that generation. Would be, we've been among those ten that said, boy, this is just too much for us to handle. We, we're just going to have to find us another place to live. Or would we have been among the two who said, God is with us, and if he's with us, it doesn't matter. We're going to be able to do everything God calls us to do by his power. I don't know. That's a question that we have to ask ourselves. But now, this generation, what happened? Because they refused to believe. Because they refused to move forward into this difficult task, God turned them around and sent them right back out in the wilderness until all of those from that generation of leaders, adults, that had been in Egypt and saw these things until they died, it took 40 years from all to die. That generation who would not believe, and who would not boldly step into the tomorrow that God had for them. God had to step back and say, okay, when you die off, I'll see who I've got to work with. That was that generation. But I want you to think about another generation. And this is the generation of people who were children when they left Egypt. Or who were born along the way or born during those 40 years of wandering. This generation, a new generation, they'd seen what God could do in the wilderness. They had seen all of those miraculous acts. But look what else. They also saw what happened when they refused to believe. They saw what happened to their parents and their grandparents. 
because they refuse to embrace God's calling on their lives. I want us to look at this generation because this is the generation that Joshua was able to use to say, okay, guys, we're going to go in and we're going to possess what God has already given for us. This is the generation who saw the walls of Jericho to fall. This is the generation who saw the conquest of the land. Let's think about that generation for a minute. The 12 tribes. They saw all the tremendous things God could do. And when the most of the, 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 the enemies were, were destroyed in the promised land, then Joshua, under the command of God, divided up all of the land among the 12 tribes. You know, Benjamin, you go here. Gad, you go here. Issachar, you go here. Dan, you go here. And what they were to do, they were to go and settle that part of the land, and they were to, to claim it. They were to drive out anybody who still believed in, in the old ways of the old gods and possess that part of the Holy Land. And that was what the 12 tribes were commissioned to do. I want us to look at one of those tribes. It's the tribe of Dan, D-A-N, the tribe of Dan. Dan was allotted... The coastal plain down in the southwestern part of Israel, just north of where the Philistines lived. You, you know the tribe of Dan. The most famous member of that tribe was Samson. And remember, it was the Philistines that were always upon him. Remember that? Okay. This was the tribe of Dan. And as we pick up in Judges 18, what we're going to do is, is, is look. What has happened is Dan has went to their area and they've tried to possess it, but they, they're having some trouble. They have very light on their faith in God and, and they're not doing what God called them to do, to drive out those who didn't believe in God. And they were finding it tougher and tougher. So we pick up in Judges 18. And I'd love to read the whole chapter, but I'm just going to read parts of it. Beginning with verse 1. In those days there was no king in Israel, and in those days the tribe of the Danites was seeking an inheritance for itself to dwell in. For until that day, <clears throat> their inheritance among the tribes of Israel had not fallen to them. In other words, they, they had not been able to run out the Philistine influence. It was too hard for them. So... The children of Dan sent five men from their family, from their territory, from the area that God had given them and assigned to them, okay, uh, <clears throat> sent five men of their family from their territory, men of valor from Zorar and Eshtaol, to spy out the land and search it. And they said, go search the land. So, and they went up into the mountains of Ephraim to the house of Micah and lodged there. As far to the southwest as you could go, they went almost that far to the northeast. Okay? Opposite direction from where they were supposed to be, where God had called them to be. All right? And while they were at the house of Micah, they recognized the voice of a young Levite and turned and said to him, Who brought you here? Why was a Levite way up there? That's not where the Levites were supposed to be. God had told the Levites where they were supposed to be. But he was a man <clears throat> who was disobeying God's call on his personal life. And he left from where the Levites were supposed to be. And let's find out about him right here. And he said, why are you here? What are you doing in this place? What, have you, what do you have here? And he said, thus and so Micah did for me. He has hired me. He was a, a hired priest, a personal priest there for 
just the house of Micah. Thank you. And so they said to him, Please inquire of God that we may know whether the journey on which we are on will be prosperous. He's going to a man that is a rebel from his own people, the Levites, but that is a priestly clan. And he said, Now, now, now y'all, you, you go and ask if it's right for us to be on this, on this quest we're on. And then he said to them, he didn't pray about this much, you notice. And then he said to them, thus and so Micah did for me. He has hired me and I've become his priest. So, oh, excuse me, verse, verse 6. The priest said to them, go in peace. The presence of the Lord, all capital letters, Yahweh, the presence of God will be with you on your way. And he's saying, God is blessing your disobedience. Let me tell you something, people. God never disobey, blesses disobedience. He cannot. He will not. If you will not abide by the word of God, if you choose to do things your own way, don't expect God to bless you. Don't expect it. Well, it seemed right to me. The Bible says there's a way that seems right to a man. But the end of that is destruction. The Word tells us how to live. And we saw that and we read that even just a few moments earlier. This, this is the generation that we're looking at. Excuse me. So, what happened? Look here, verse 7. So these five men departed. They went to Laish. And they saw the people who lived there, how they dwelt safely in the manner of the Sidonians, quiet and secure. There were no rulers in the land who might put them to shame for anything. And they were far from the Sidonians, and they had no ties with anyone. They had no political alliances. Here was a peaceful people living in a prosperous part of the northeast part of Israel. As far as you could go and still be in what was old Canaan. And, and these, tri these, these spies looked at it and said, this is where we need to be. We, we've been fighting them tough old Philistines down there. Surely God doesn't want us working that hard. Here's where we need to be, in a nice, safe, comfortable place. And so they went back, and they gave their report. And so what the tribe of Dan did, they six, I'm, I'm getting ahead, I'm telling you the story. 600 warriors out. They went back, and they stopped again here at the house of Micah. And they said to this priest, you know, why do you want to just be a priest to one family when you can come be the priest of our whole tribe? And there was money involved in that, I want you to understand. And so he gathered up all of the household idols that he had built himself. And out he went along with them. And so what did they do? They went to the little community of Laish. They slaughtered everybody there. And this is where they chose to live. Even today, if you visit the city that's called the city of Dan, it's way up in the northeast of the country. But God called them to the southwest. That's where they were to go, to be a wall against the Philistines who were a burr in Israel's saddle the rest of their history. They decided to go up there. So here's some things I want you to hear out of this. First of all, I want you to see, here's a group of people who it's a generation who had seen all the great things that God had to offer. But look at this. They decided they would do it their own way. They weren't going to do it God's way. They were going to do it their own way. We've got a better idea. 
We don't want to put ourselves out to the hard work of running out the Philistines. We'll go up here and obliterate a peaceful people, and we'll make our dwelling up there. They decided they were going to do it their own way. This is what this generation decided. They'd make their own promised land. Not only that, they, they took the easy route. Have you found yet in your spiritual life that God doesn't always give you the easy route? When God tells you to do something, a lot of times it's difficult. It requires humbling yourself. It requires obeying uh, the Word of God, even though it might not be what you think is the best way to do things. They decided they wanted to take the easy way. And then they decreed their own religion. They bought their own priests. They bought their own gods. And that way they could do just any way they pleased. They had a stolen land and a stolen faith. So I want you to bring, take three takeaways with you today. Three takeaways real quickly. First of all, each generation has to be faithful, obedient believers. Each generation has to do their own faith building. You, you, you can only do so much on the faith of your fathers. Look back to the generation before you. See the mighty things that God has done in that generation. That same God will follow you. But the time comes that we have to express our own obedience. We have to do our own faith building. Each generation has to do that on their own. This is important. Do not be distracted. Do not get discouraged. Be about what God has called you to be about. It's so easy to get your eye off the ball and focus on things that are threatening you or that anything that the devil can do to get our, our focus off the main thing. I, I, I tell you, it's been tough for me this year. This 2019 has gone down in my history as one of my toughest years of my life. Not only just the physical things about having to have my heart surgery, but the reorienting that God has done in my own spirit and life. And not only that, but having to take that back and, and explain that to you, starting with our, our, our staff, our ministers, and then our deacons, and then the, the rest, what God is calling us to be about, that job one is reaching the lost. Job one is reaching the lost. I had let myself get too comfortable just taking care of the flock God had given me. And God whooped me for that in 2019 and said, you get your nose back to the grindstone. I called you to be about winning people to faith in Jesus Christ. It's been a tough year. But listen, it's also been tough because ever since I started that, I've had naysayers in opposition. of people I love, and people I've trusted, that would rise up and say we're, we, we want to remain in our comfort. Don't ask us to get out of our comfort zone. I'm not asking you to do anything God isn't making me do, folks. It, it, it's been a tough year and it's been hard for me to stay focused on making the main thing the main thing. Number two, just because you have the approval of men doesn't mean you have the approval of God. They bought their approval from a hired priest who would tell them exactly what they wanted to hear. I'm not your boy, if that's what you're looking for. I'm not your boy. 
They hired their own to tell them exactly what they wanted to hear. Folks, just because you have the approval of man don't mean you have the approval of God. And listen, just because you have the disapproval of man don't mean you have the disapproval of God either. There's only one voice we can listen to, folks, and that has to be the voice of Holy Spirit. If you have to have... If you have to have the approval of your fellow man to follow God, you're in serious trouble. The third thing I want you to see is this. Don't compromise God's calling on your life. God called the tribe of Dan into a vitally important position. If they had stayed the course, believed in God, and fought the good fight, the history of Israel would have been different in relation to the Philistines. The history of Israel today would be different. Because you're looking right down there where the Gaza Strip happens to be. You hear this? Each generation must be obedient to the calling of God on itself. It can draw from the past, but it has to step out in obedience into the future. That's important. Jeremiah 29 keeps echoing in my ears. Where Jeremiah says, quotes God, and says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. That you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your we must be the generation. We must be the generation who goes back to job one is reaching our lost friends and neighbors for Christ. We must be the generation that it's not enough to just get them saved, but to disciple them, to grow them up in the powerful faith that we have. We must be the generation that understands that our fellowship is more important than our comfort and they will do whatever it takes to maintain that fellowship. The unity of the Spirit in the bonds of peace. A huge door is about to swing in the life of our church family. It's not the vision I have. My vision is reaching people and discipling them for Christ. But a tool is this door that's about to swing. And on the hinges, today's the hinge day. What will swing at this point will be things we're trying to do, not just one thing, but many things we're trying to do to fulfill the calling of reaching people and discipling them in our faith. You keep seeing these teasers about FBU. <laughs> I ain't going to tell you. It's, oh, you're going to love FBU. Our Wednesday night supper's coming back. I'm hungry already. We're moving into things that God is going to enable us to do. To build the fellowship. We can't be together like this every week. We don't have room to grow. But as we enter into this, we're maximizing every square inch of this campus to grow for the kingdom of God. Now, there are details that I want you to know about this. And, and, and I've, I've, I've done enough. I've push my voice a little further than I should have today. Derek, will you come up here, please? There's a few details I want to be sure you've got because next Sunday is going to be different from today.
So, Derek, you take a minute and talk to us. Thank you, Brother Fred. I'm so glad you're my pastor. So we've had some frequently, frequently, it's easy for me to say, frequently asked questions, and we've put some of those in your bulletin, and we're going to just talk through some of that real quick. I know because the hour, it says um, it's lunchtime, but so we're going to talk through this quickly. This is very important. This is the reason why we need to tarry just a little bit long, longer. Please be patient. Uh, I want to make sure we have these questions answered, okay? So here's some. You'll find these in your in your worship guide, and as we walk through these, uh, through these questions, maybe uh, uh, this would be a, a great opportunity to, to, get, to get information out for the congregation. So, so uh, you know, we're going to put some s- slides up here on the, uh, on the screens to help us kind of navigate this. You got questions? Well, hopefully we've got answers. So maybe question number one in your worship guide, what is the new schedule in and when do I need to be here? You know, and a, there's a short, there's a brief answer to every one of these questions, but I want to talk to you a little more in depth about that. On the back of your worship guide, you'll find this, this uh, schedule guide, okay? This, this uh, really well done graphic. And it's going to be up on the screen. We're just going to walk through this together, okay? So what time do you need to be here? Nine o'clock, 9 a.m. No matter what, whether you're going to worship or to Bible study, to Sunday school, you need to be here at 9 a.m. If you prefer the blended t- style of worship, which is the worship that has been, tra- that is a lot of people call traditional, so it's, it's the worship that goes, has gone on in this room at 11 o'clock every Sunday, okay? And that's another question that you will find in your, in your worship guide. What's blended worship? What is that? It's, it's, that description I just gave you, okay? So it'll be at eleven. It'll be at nine o'clock in this room. Then at ten fifty, and then uh, going on in other parts of our campus will be Sunday school for those who will go to worship later. In the second block, all right. In between the two blocks, we have our fellowship time. Brother Fred just said passionately how important fellowship is to our church, and it has to be about so much more than casserole dishes. It has to be about the stubborn together togetherness that we and that provides an opportunity once one more opportunity for those of us who worship at different times or go to Bible study at different times to be together and different uh, 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 that enjoy different styles of worship and Bible study to be together to share life to be together together. That's what that's for. It is not meant for you to skip. Now, that's not an extended time for you to, well, I'm going to go to Burger King, or I'm going to go to where, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to go, and then I'll come back. It's so much more than socializing. Don't call it fellowship. It is the stubborn together together that we read in our church covenant. That's where we live that out as a church. Now, where do I go to fellowship? Well, there are two different locations. One is going to be in the Buckhannon room that we've started calling the Buck, because that sounds cool. Named after Reverend Bethel Buck Buckhannon. He was pastor of this church that so, some of you 
Um, some of you, uh, he was your pastor. Who, who was here at First Baptist when he was your pastor? Look at that. He's, there's so many of you still here. So we're calling it the buck, all right? So there's, that will, there will be a spot there in the buckhandle room, in the buck, and one in the fellowship hall. And you go to the place um, based on where you're going to go to Sunday school, all right? So if you're going to go in su- to Sunday school at this end of the campus, then go to the buck. If you're going go to if you go to Sunday school at that end of the campus, go to the fellowship hall. Uh, some people say, well, why are you having two fellowship times? That doesn't sound like we can't have, how are we going to be together together like that? Well, look at our campus, how spread out it is. Our campus goes from El Manzanillo to Circle K. <laughs> All right, we are spread out. And so we have spots for, uh, so not everybody's as ambulatory as everybody else. And so we have spots so you can go that make it convenient for you to be together together. Okay, so that's what happens in the fellowship time, and then, it, uh, and all right, so uh, let me go to our, yeah, thank you for that campus help, thank you for keeping me on task. Let's go back to the campus map. Um, um, <clears throat> if you, this is on our website, okay, all right, and uh, uh, can you put up that slide of, of that, uh, for our website? Um, if you'll go on your, on your computer, on your iPad, or on your smartphone, you go to fbcvision.com, and this part of the, and this is what our website looks like, okay? And on that website, you go down, all the way down to the far, almost to the, you know, to the far right where it says resources, and there's a drop-down menu there, and on there, there's the interactive campus map. This thing's really cool. You touch it, and it shows you pictures, and it reads, and there's stuff, and it's cool. It's a lot of fun. But on that, so you see the dots on the, you see the dots on the certain places that you, on the, on the interactive map? If you touch that, then a description of the, that area comes up, and it shows you the actual picture of that place on our campus. All right? So this will help you navigate when we... When, when we're going from place to place, where Bible studies are going to be, and when new people come to our fellowship, you can, you can show them on your smartphone, on, on your iPad, on your PC or laptop, you can show them. They're also going to be uh, including uh, kiosks in different areas of the church that have iP- these little uh, tablet-type things where you can take people to the tablet and show them our website. And we're becoming much more interactive and much more friendly kind of information sharing to the people who come to our church, okay? Because we want to be that kind of church with that kind of communication, with that kind of fellowship at First Baptist Church. So, real quickly, what, here's another question. What is it going to look like for my kids, my children, my children during that time? Miss Debbie has worked diligently. Debbie Braswell is the best children's minister I've ever worked with. <laughs> Hands down. All right. So we'll have, we'll have a Sunday school curriculum for children during the first block. Okay. Then children will, your children stay in the children's building and children's area during fellowship time for a, a kind of a, a type of children's worship, like the kids' own worship feel that they get that certain age groups have now, all right? And then the second block, there will be another children's Sunday school for, so, uh, that is a different curriculum. So kids that are there from 9 to noon will have two 
different curriculum, two different lessons and a time for kids' worship in the middle, okay? You don't have to go get your kids from fellowship, go to fellowship, then take them back, and then go to your next thing. No, they, they stay there. They're self-contained, all right? All right? We're encouraging you when your kids, as soon as possible, to get your kids and bring them to worship with you, okay? But uh, until that time, we'll have that. We have those opportunities, Bible study, kids on worship, Bible study, all right? What is it going to look like for student ministry, for uh, those in, in, in our middle school and high school students? All right, during the early block, we'll have Sunday school for students. We'll have a middle school class and a high school class. Then, there's, then they will go to fellowship. Most likely, the kids, students will go to fellowship in the fellowship hall because that's where the, kid, the, student, the student ministry building is, all right? Then in the second block, we'll have the same thing again for students. We'll have a middle school and a high school class in, for Sunday school for those, for those students. As our student ministry grows on Sunday mornings, that will grow. And as the necessity arises for more teachers and for that to expand, it will expand. But for now, that's what it looks like. I hope this has answered some of the questions. These are the frequently, some of the frequently asked questions we've had. And I hope this helps you as we're preparing to go next week to this. As the door opens to this great new day at First Baptist Church. God bless you. Thank you, Derek, for those logistics. Now, I want to call us to prayer, okay? Any time we ta- have any great, you know, uh, change or whatever going on, we have to go there first on our knees. I want you to know your, your ministers, your deacons, your Sunday school teachers have been so incredibly in prayer about this and <clears throat> are on board of what God is seeking to do in our midst. But we need to pray together as a family like we did just, just a couple of weeks ago when we had our season of prayer. We're not going to have all the different people up here, but I want to ask you to pray with me right now. Let's, let's pray for what God wants to do in our church family. Father God, right now we come before you thanking you for this incredible church. Lord, they are such a powerhouse. Father, you have done so much through us through the years. From seeing ministers and missionaries come out of our church family, for seeing people come to faith in Christ, and Lord, we just want to, we want to be a keen edge. We want to have a sharp point. And Lord, there's so many things we're wanting to do, to, to initiatives that we want to do to help us in this process. But Father, we have to do this together. We have to jealously protect, guard, keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So may we just pledge to you right now, Father, that everything within our power we're going to put in to being together, together. Behaving according to our church covenant and walking hand in hand, finding answers as we go, adjusting as we have to, with our eyes fixed on the prize of seeing more and more people come to faith in Christ and grow up in our holy faith. Lord, make that our passion Together, together. Lord, in this moment of silence, I just want to call your people 
to silent prayer before you, to bow before you in absolute obedience. We want to be a part of this next generation. Whether we're 90 or 9, we want to be a part of this next generation moving your church here forward for the kingdom. Whatever it takes, Lord. Whatever it takes. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.